0: Welcome to The Shed Wireless, a podcast from the Australian Men's Shed Association. Shoulder to shoulder, virtually.
1: Coming up on this, the first ever episode of The Shed Wireless, you're going to meet a shedder who fought and beat COVID-19. We'll help you to stay connected when we're all isolated. We'll take the first step in a journey that will look at the history of the Men's Shed movement, both here and around the world. We'll see who's hard at work in the Shed, and Rip Woodchip will be along, and as usual, he will nail it. Hello and welcome to the Shed Wireless. This is a new phase in the history of the Australian Men's Shed movement. Colourful history that it is. It's virtually shoulder to shoulder at the moment as we come together as a nation and across the globe to fight this current threat to humanity. I'm Aaron Carney. Uh, Those of you who have ever been to, or at least the last three national conferences might know me. I have been your MC for those events and I'm joined by David Helmers who is the Executive Officer of the Australian Men's Shed Association and the man who had the thought to create this virtual space for us to come together. Hi David. Hi Aaron, how are you? Good, thank you. It's great to have this actually uh, brought to life now.
0: You said in the intro there we're doing this shoulder to shoulder but I can assure everyone We're like them and doing it at a great distance away from each other at the moment.
1: So perhaps you can just give everybody an idea how this fits into a broader idea that you've had. Once you knew that we wouldn't be able to be inside sheds for some indeterminate period, uh, you and the AMSA team uh, came up with a series of ideas to try and take us into another space. Yeah,
0: look, that's right, Aaron. And doing things like the the Shed Online and this podcast, these are ideas that we'd had on the drawing board for quite mm. some time and you know, lack of resources, both human, financial, you know, and just the, the lack of time to do it. Mm. And I suppose that's one of the, the the positives that came out of the whole COVID nineteen. Once we had dealt with the shutdown process as the pandemic escalated like everyone else, we were responding on a day-by-day to the changes every day um, and putting the information out there to the sheds. And then we thought, okay, all the 1,100 sheds around the country are now closed. That means we've got um, upteen thousands of men around Australia that are now socially distancing, which is kind of – Contrary to what Men sheds are all about, <laughs> is you know social inclusion and you know av- avoiding um, social isolation. So the ideas were thrown around the table what can we do? Um, how can we connect? And you know, a few of these projects, like the Shed Online um, and the, this podcast series, came to the forefront as this is something we can do and we can do it now, albeit with a, a lot of hard work and start communicating out out to the sheds and hopefully in the post-COVID-19 worlds these um, new initiatives will will all survive the test of time and, and grow into longer-term projects.
1: There's a couple of things that you've said there. Everybody's going to be meeting Rip Woodchip in a few minutes' time, and uh, he's going to, amongst good other... On rip. <laughs> good on your Rip. He is, amongst other things, going to walk us through how to use the Men's Shed online. But I want to issue an appeal, and I'm sure that you will back me up in this If you've come this far to the podcast, then you're a lot more technologically advanced than one or two of uh, others in the shed movement across Australia and I really encourage people to do anything that they can whether it's copying and pasting a link and sending it via email, ringing somebody up and talking them through how to get on the website. This really is uh, going to rely on all of those networks that make the shed successful in order for this to get into the ears and brains and lounge rooms and back sheds of shedders across the country isn't it?
0: That's right and look as you know, Aaron, we've tried to, our hardest to make all of this as um, user friendly as possible. If um, you know, a techn- technology challenged people like you and myself can get through it, um, we hope a lot of the guys out in the sheds out there will take the the initiative and venture into that cloud-based world that it is today and be able to tune in and listen to us.
1: Well, I guess all that's left for this segment then is to get you to put on your official hat as the Executive Officer of the Australian Men's Shed Association. Uh, This is a historical moment with our first ever podcast. And I guess what would you like uh, the people who are associated with the Shed movement across Australia to know about The time and place that we find ourselves in right now
0: look it's unusual times definitely um i think and judging from the feedback from all the welfare calls that we we're putting out to the sheds you know everyone seems to have adapted very well to the changing environment and if we all you know do the right thing and follow the instructions that are given to us by government hopefully it won't be too long until we're back into those men's sheds and making a lot of sawdust again.
1: We'll be catching up right throughout episode one of The Shed Wireless, but coming up next, we are going to meet, it's not surprising, with so many shedders across the country and many of us in that age group that is very vulnerable to the coronavirus. It is unsurprising that one of our own has taken on and beaten I'm delighted to say, taken on and beaten COVID-19. And you'll meet him next.
0: You're listening to The Shed
2: Wireless.
1: When you've been stuck at home for a long time and it isn't a lot of fun, it is tempting at times to say, is this all worth it? Why are we going through all of this pain? Well, you're about to meet a fellow shedder who will tell you that this pain is worth it. In fact, it's a matter of life and death. He is a survivor of the coronavirus COVID-19, and he was, not very long ago, a very, very sick man. But I'm delighted to say that Colin Crawford is alive and well, and he too is missing the shed, but he's with us on the Shed Wireless. Hello, Colin. Hello, Aaron, and hello, listeners. Tell us your story, Colin. You were on a cruise with your wife, is that right? Yes, we were. I was on a cruise
3: with my wife and my uh, brother and sister-in-law. We boarded the ship was the Ovation of the Seas. We boarded that. We had our trip cut short. We are supposed to go to the top end of New Zealand and then over to Namia. But we had trouble getting into Namir because of the weather conditions. So the, uh, the captain decided to go down to New Zealand. In the meantime, when we were about a day out of New Zealand, the captain uh, uh, informed us that New Zealand had closed its borders due to this COVID-19 virus, which meant we had to zigzag our way back to Sydney. So we didn't get off anywhere um, and we, we got back to Sydney about four or five days short
1: uh, of the overall cruise. And at what point did you realise that something might be wrong?
3: Right, okay. Because the the trip was cut short, we had to um, book a flight back to Adelaide. And that meaning it took a couple of days to get the flight. So we had to stay in Sydney, which we did, uh, in Campbell Street there. We stayed in the hotel there uh, for two days. And then it was during that time, uh, probably the second day, uh, that I started to feel Very ill, very ill. It was one thing, Aaron. I I will say you said in in your introduction too, was that this disease is very, very takes hold very, very quickly, and it's very, very debilitating. Very, yeah. It's just uh, affects your uh, your lungs and your kidneys and liver and all that. If it's left untreated, to go.
1: When did you first feel like you weren't well? Uh,
3: The second day in Sydney, I felt. Very ill in the morning, um, and I was—I um, hope you, none of your listeners, are having breakfast—but I was virtually bringing up like gelatine. It was just like a clear phlegm. It was just in heaps of it, and that's what really uh, caused my concern.
1: How did you deteriorate over time?
3: Okay, it just left me very, very weak and still coughing. Uh, when we got back to Adelaide on the Saturday. We rang our doctor here and asked what we should we do. He said, go out and get a, a test, a, a scan done, which we duly did. And on the Tuesday, we got the results back to say that my wife and I were both positive. She wasn't as bad as I was because she was in hospital only for three days, three nights. I, in fact, uh, proved positive and finished up in the Royal Adelaide Hospital COVID-19 unit for 12 days.
1: I think a lot of us are struggling to understand how it might be similar or different to a flu that we might have all experienced at some time. How would you compare them, Colin?
3: Okay, I think the, the similarities is, is that it is like a, a very harsh type flu, um, but the main thing is that it is so quick and it's so debilitating. You, you With a flu, okay, you feel tired, listless, runny nose, bit of a cough, um, and you can take, uh, you know, your bombs, your aspirin, or whatever you like, the uh, Panadol. But with this thing, ah, um, oh, it just doesn't seem to work. Once it's got you, uh, you feel tired, listless, very weak. You feel you're coughing. Um, yeah, you just just feel you know something's worse than the, a normal flu.
1: Were you genuinely worried for your life?
3: Once I got to the hospital and they started treating me, they started treating me on two uh, um, antibiotics. One was that malaria-type drug that they treat malaria, and the other one um, I don't really know. I I think it was really a dose of uh, penicillin-type antibiotic. But uh, I wasn't – look, to be quite honest with you, I was virtually out of it. I wasn't really worried about myself at the time. But as the days grew on in hospital, yes, I was, and it started to play on my mind, to be honest with you. How long
1: were you in hospital in the end? I was in there for 12 nights, 13 days. When did you start to feel better?
3: Uh, probably about the ninth day. Um, what was happening was that, oh, this is the other thing too, The um, with the symptoms, the uh, my body temperature was fluctuating between 35 and 39 degrees and it wouldn't settle. The other thing was too that my blood, blood oxygen levels We're getting down to about 84, 83, and then they'd peak to 95, which was the safe level, then they'd also fluctuate again. And and once that settled down, like in the last couple of days, that's when um, the medicos then took a little bit extra interest in those readings and um, then decided to discharge me at home on home insulation for another 10 days, isolation for another 10 days.
1: Is it true you had a birthday in the hospital?
3: It is. I had my 70th in there. Second night in, Aaron.
1: <laughs> That's not how you dream of things going, is it? I know. Well, I've had a
3: few people telling me that too, by the way.
1: Colin, there'd be a lot of shedders listening right now who aren't enjoying isolation, are really missing their mates, are really missing everything that comes with the shed and attempted tempted to say, you know what, let's just get back into it and not worry about it. Having been through what you've been through, what would you say to them?
3: What I'd say to them is that you don't want to have a stop-start type situation where, okay, it looks all right now that we've got it under control, and then you open the shed and then you find that somehow it's drifted in there, and you infect another four or five members. You know, just by one one person being a positive. What I would say is listen. Uh, I miss the shed too here in Adelaide, um, but uh, I think it's better to do a complete block and miss it for, say, a month or however long it takes for before the uh, your, um, your uh, health commission will allow you to reopen and also on the advice of the uh, Australian Men's Church Association to say, now it's safe to open, I would weather it out now and then uh, hopefully have no further issues later on down the year. But I think if you open too early, you could be inviting trouble.
1: And you wouldn't wish this on any of your mates...
3: Oh, no way. No way. I've been telling everybody that the two words is so damn uh, devastating and it's so quick. It just takes hold of you. Even if you're relatively fit, it grabs you so damn quickly.
1: And I assume your wife came through it okay, because one of the confronting stats out of all of this is that men are doing much worse than women with this virus.
3: Yeah, no, my wife only had three days and she's come out of it very well, touch wood. Um, But I was the one, yes, that uh, that out of the whole four of us, my brother and my sister-in-law as well, I was really the only one that uh, uh, had to receive
1: quite a lot of medical attention. You said you're not 100% yet. Do you think you'll get to 100%?
3: I think I will. It's going to take time. But like the doctor keeps telling me, you know, when you get to 70 and that and beyond, uh, these things take a lot longer to get over than, uh, you know, you're not a 21-year-old anymore, mate.
1: No, but I feel like the rest of the decade of your 70s might be a bit better than how it started, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do I, to be honest with you, yeah. No. Have you heard from a few shedders? Oh, yes, yes. I've been
3: Actually, I've been quite surprised. Um, there's some there that hardly say boo, um, have actually rung me and asked how I'm going. And uh, I tell you what, it's very uplifting, believe it or not. Um, I've always heard this and never had to be in a situation where you said you get people, your acquaintances and that ring you up because you are in a predicament. But uh, this time I've had a few, quite a few from the Shedder mates. I think we've got 40 there, and I reckon there's probably 15 to 20 of them have rung me uh, to see how I'm going and wish me all the best. And it's certainly very, very uplifting, Aaron.
1: Well, on behalf of Shedders right across the country – We wish you the very best. I'm absolutely delighted that you're here and in such good spirits and well and truly on the mend. Thank you for sharing your pretty scary story and uh, giving us some inspiration for sticking it out in isolation for as long as that lasts. Uh, Stay well. Look forward to seeing you back in the shed at some point in the not too distant future. And thank you for talking to the shed wireless today.
3: My pleasure, Aaron, and good luck to all uh, the members that may be listening in and those that aren't.
1: Good luck to you. That's Colin Crockford from the Paraka Shed in South Australia, a survivor of the coronavirus COVID-19. You're listening to The Shed Wireless. What is it about the Men's Shed concept that works so well? What is it that made it a global phenomenon and how has that evolved over time, if at all? There's nobody in the world who's looked more closely at these questions than Professor Barry Golding, AM. A leading academic, Barry is many things across many disciplines and areas of interest, but in the shed movement alone, he's patron of the Australian Men's Shed Association, inaugural chair of the International Men's Shed Association, author of The Men's Shed Movement, The Company of Men, the definitive book about the phenomenon. Barry was awarded the Australian Men's Shed Association's Ted Donnelly Award in 2013 for outstanding contribution to the Men's Shed Movement. And he joins us now. Welcome to The Shed Wireless, Barry. Uh, Hello, Aaron. How are you? I'm great, thank you. David, can you remember the first time you ever laid eyes on this guy?
0: Look, yeah, Barry, you might want to correct me if I'm wrong, but from my recollection, it was that the, the first time we actually physically met was at the 2007 Manly Conference, if I recall correctly.
4: I think you're right, David. It was uh, at that uh, big uh, religious barn in Manly. Um...
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think I, I met you the night before at the pre-event drinks, and... Um, I know we'd had many a phone conversation prior to that, an email exchange you know in the years leading up to that. but I remember seeing this tall long haired hippie walk in the room and they and someone said, well that's professor barry golding and um you like a lot of things mate, when meeting you in the flesh, you weren't what I had in my in my Visual perception at the time
4: no and I don't know whether you recall, but uh, at the at that conference, which was of course the first national conference mm-hmm. really big national conference um, I think I used uh, a PowerPoint presentation that included some very powerful audio and I think the audio I used was from um was uh, um, Uh, from the concert for George, uh, and it was the the song called Photograph. And I reckon a a number of people actually, tears came to their eyes because it was such a powerful combination. It was just that time where it was the first time that Shedders from around Australia had got together and in this big venue, and um, it blew the socks off a lot of people. Not, Not what I said, but it was just the combination of the time, the, the booming music and the uh-huh. images, images of sheds were flashing across the screen. I don't know whether you remember that. but Yeah,
0: I do recall that. I do recall that. And then I think at the Manly Conference, too, it hit the right note, so to speak. Yeah, musically, uh, there is coincide that we were hitting the right note. I think a lot of the men involved in those early sheds were starting to realise what they were actually doing out there in the shed world. And, you know, I think it started to – the men's shed concept started to take a bit more shape from then on.
4: I I recall that too, David. Yeah, so that was, of that was course, some probably six years after I first started scratching around in some of the early men's sheds in Victoria.
0: Can you tell us that, Barry? Like, how did you come across – and sheds in general?
4: Okay, I was, I was a researcher in adult education um, and I was looking at uh, ways in which um, people learn. I'd, I'd found from my previous research that there wasn't a lot of men in adult and community education settings. We knew from the data around the world that men tended not to enroll in formal courses. And so I, I raise the question, well, uh, since the men haven't disappeared off the planet and they comprise half of the world's population, why aren't older men represented in, in formal learning organisations? Um, and if they're not there doing courses, what are they doing? And assuming that they need to learn all sorts of stuff about life and computers and and technology, uh, what are they doing and how are they learning? So I, I did a national study, um, I think in 2003 I did a national study of learning through fire and emergency service organisations. But, mm-hmm. be, but before that I'd been doing research looking at um, neighbourhood houses, community centres, golf clubs, senior citizens clubs, football clubs, And so what I'd do is go into those small communities and instead of talking to women, I'd say, well, with respect, I'm really interested in women, but I really want to talk to the men. I want to know what they're doing, why they're not there or why they are there and what it is that engages them or not. And so when I first started spotting the first very small number of men's sheds in well, main, it was mainly in Victoria where I was working, but I was aware that that sprung up in a few other places. I looked at them and included them in the study and went and had a look at one. And I immediately realised that in many ways, men's sheds ticked a lot of the boxes that the research suggested <laughs> they should. So in a sense, they'd already been created. I didn't create them. I just happened to stumble across yes. them and I acknowledged at that early stage that they were very powerful um, places and as, as the, the guy who started the first men's shed in the world said, they were basically places for men to go, men for, places for men to do stuff um, and f- places for men to talk together. And it's that that trilogy of doing, talking and making that really works. And of course it works in fire sheds too. If you want to train a rural firefighter, you don't sit him down with a book, him or her down with a book. You 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 do the stuff on on the on the fire ground with the hose and with the pump and you you you, you do stuff with people and people learn by doing. Now, that's well, not... a
0: lot of those early sheds did have a, a, a focus on learning you know, and sharing and um, you know, an educational aspect to it.
4: Some of them did. Um, some of them didn't. Um, in fact, if we go right back, and Aaron might be interested in this, basically around 27 years ago, a, uh, a woman called Maxine Kitto in a rural um, community called Goolwa in South Australia on the, on the bottom end of the Murray. She was working in aged care and she was, she's very, very observant and she noticed that the programs she was running in this aged care centre, uh, mainly health programs and sort of social connection programs, were not hooking very many men at all. In fact, there were no men in her programs. And she noticed that when the women finished the program she was running, the the women would go out to the car park, and typically they'd be driven home by their husbands, who would sit on their own in their cars waiting for their wives to finish the program. And she noticed, and this is a great line she wrote in, um, she wrote almost um, twenty five years ago. She noticed that the the men in the car park were less healthy than the women in her programs, <laughs> which, which, which I thought was very interesting. And so she, she went to a, a guy who was doing the maintenance at the aged care centre and she said, look, what would I have to do to attract the men? And she, he basically said, well, don't, they won't come in the front door invite them into another place where they feel at home and where they feel in control. And so she found a shed um, adjacent to the aged care center, which is still there. I think David, you saw it when we visited Uh Goulwa. It's just a tin shed, a garage called the shed. And, um, uh, so he invited a few guys down and, and they, they really enjoyed doing stuff in the shed. And, um, Then the guys went back to Maxine and said, what do we have to do uh, next? And she said, well, I don't know what you do. She said, it's your shed. You do what you bloody like. Um, I'm not a man. You work it out yourself and come back and tell me what you want. So in a sense, the model was empowering of men. That's why it worked.
1: So there it is, the beginnings of something that would go on to become a global phenomenon. But there's quite a few more steps in that journey and over the next few episodes here on The Shed Wireless, we will be embarking on that journey with David and Barry, so stay tuned for more instalments as we walk through our proud history.
3: Staying strong. Staying sharp. And staying healthy.
0: With... Shed Wireless.
1: We all head to the shed for a range of different reasons, but many of us come away with the same outcome, and that is a healthier approach to life, uh, a better sense of well-being, uh, moving around, staying fitter than we would if we stayed at home, and obviously, isolation is making that more challenging. So, We want to see if there's a way to navigate that in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And the man who normally does that for you in real life and is going to do it for us virtually today is the Men's Health Project Officer at the Australian Men's Shed Association, Stuart Torrance. How are we? I'm great, thank you. How are you finding... Isolation, because you're a bit of a you, you. like being out in the world. You like being around other people. You're a real people person. How are you finding lockdown?
2: I'm very thankful that um, fishing is uh, a pastime that I can still pursue, um, but not getting together with my mates is um, something else and and quite a challenge. How are you going about
1: dealing with that?
2: In this day and age, it, it's it's come about quite challenging in regards that I'm in the house, I've got all the technology in the world, I've got uh, family in the house, so I shouldn't feel alone, I shouldn't feel isolated um, and yet I do. Um, So it's rather confronting about how I'm dealing with these feelings. Uh, What I usually do is just like the uh, shed, I get on the phone and I talk to a mate.
1: Yeah, we might talk a little bit more about that in just a moment because uh, that's that's an important thing and perhaps one of the messages that we want to take away from today's conversation. But I've been talking to a few people as well, and you know, I like to think I'm a pretty stable guy that I stay on top of things, that I can control my emotion, and that you know, I I move through the world reasonably confidently, and. I've noticed this in myself. Other people are saying it to me as well. One morning I can wake up and I feel the absolute bottom of the pit for no reason going, you know, what is life now? What is this? We're all locked down. Four hours later, I can be Rocky Balboa. You you snap the end off your pencil and you want to cry. It's a real roller coaster, isn't it?
2: (laughs) it it's uh it's a it's a challenge each and every uh moment of the day one one minute you'll be in a webinar with somebody on on uh online mm. and next uh someone's making noise in the house so uh, it interrupts the uh webinar so all of a sudden tensions rise yeah. and um yeah i i think learning to relax is going to be a big a big thing going forward, especially in the household.
1: Yeah, and I mean, this this sort of maps the absence of sheds in people's lives is that uh, for a lot of blokes, the shed is about um, when you're retired and uh, when you're at home a lot, it's your chance to escape that environment. Not that there's anything wrong with the home environment, but it gives you that change of scenery and change of company, and that's what's been taken away from us. The Shed has been successful because it's made that process easy, but the reality is it's up to us to try and make
2: that happen now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it, the Shed gives us a little bit of downtime, um, a change of scenery where we're not getting that at the moment. So the the, the challenge is to change the scenery, to change uh, how we think and how we approach and how we uh, deal with the challenges that are thrown up. The shed was a great way of doing that, but out in the uh, the big wide world, uh, you've got to think of some alternatives. What do you recommend? Like, I would I would pick up the phone and dial a friend that you haven't spoken to for a long time. I would uh, maybe hunt through some of the photo albums that we have sitting on our shelves and look through them and go, "Oh, there's there's Tom. There's." Greg, there's, and there's all these guys that you probably haven't spoken to for many years. Pick up the phone, send them an email, catch up with them on a, a Zoom chat or a, a um, Skype, uh, log into them with Facebook and um, take up the challenge and connect with someone that you haven't talked to for a long time. Uh, there'll be lots to talk about, lots to fill in, lots to keep you busy and focused in a a different direction than focusing on your uh, isolation and loneliness and there's kind of a a new school and an old
1: school way of doing that there would be some people listening right now who would open their phone contact list and there'd be a thousand names in there that they could go through and go ah as you say i haven't spoken to bill for ages haven't spoken to whoever um but then yeah. there's also the old school one. There'd be other people with contact books, the old, you know, A is for Aaron and S is for Stuart. <laughs> uh, there'd be a couple
2: of those yeah. being
1: pulled out. and it'd be, uh, it'd be well worth chasing those down as well.
2: Hunting, Actually hunting down through those um, old phone books and going through those old, own, uh, old photo yeah. albums, I'll tell you what, they bring back a lot of memories and a lot of uh, thoughts come flooding back. Uh, you start reminiscing in your own head, and it's good good value to do that.
1: Yeah, and it's something that you say, oh, I don't get around to that cause I haven't got time. Well, time is, uh, is one thing that a lot of people have right now. I thought as well, Stuart, that there'd be some – People listening right now who would go, yeah, that's fine, but I'm not good on the Facebook. I'm not good on the tech. And partially what we're doing here in the shed wireless is trying to make that as painless a process as possible. But it would seem to me that there's a reach out opportunity in that as well. Our kids, our grandkids, in some cases, our great grandkids, they're digital natives. This stuff comes so naturally to them. And it's a good way to reach out and make a connection across generations. They'll happily hold your hand and hook you up. And if you haven't got somebody like that in your life, borrow someone else's grandkid, right?
2: Oh, Aaron, it happens in this household all the time. All I need to do is t- touch that remote control for the, for the TV and try and turn on the DVD player. Or was it the VCR? Um, did, did I get HTML or HTML or was it H-E-T-P? I, I I just totally get lost with technology, but that's the beauty of grandkids and and the like. They love to come alongside and show you their stuff. Um, so it also ca- connects us uh, uh, to the next generation uh, as an opportunity. But Aaron, we can even go back and teach our grandkids to oh. write a letter. You know, um, yeah. a pen pal. Um, Remember those? I I used to have one in um, Ohio, in in the the States. And I think I wrote this person all of three letters, and they were probably no more than a paragraph long. But, um, yeah, there's other ways than technology to stay in touch. Uh, The telephone, uh, letters, um, you know, meeting down the shops and passing each other with social distancing, remember, Aaron? But uh, we can still get together in different ways, change our scenery, change our perspective on the social isolation. That's a really beautiful idea
1: because the idea of a pen pal or actually gathering your thoughts when you have time, writing down what you want to say. And in a world where mm. digital contact has become the bread and butter, that Physical letter, I mean, the idea of an actual letter turning up in an actual letterbox—it's like a—it's like a beautiful gift from the outside world, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I used to wait by the, the by the mailbox. Just to see if I could read Master Stuart Torrance. Oh, it was uh, it was really exciting as a, a as a kid to get that first letter. Now I, all I get is the picture envelope one.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say uh, if I get if I get one uh, addressed to Mister Carney, I still think it's for Dad. <laughs> <laughs> what about somebody who's feeling really really flat? Uh, somebody who just. And, you know, I can relate to this myself. We're going, well, what's the point? I don't know how long we're going to be stuck in here. I don't know when my life's going to return to normal. A sense of danger out there. Is there a way just to get back on the horse?
2: Aaron, unfortunately, this is something that's challenged a lot of people long before the coronavirus. Depression, anxiety, all these things um, uh, come upon us from time to time. Um, in my early twenties, I used to remember work, waking up every morning and going, "Here we go again," and it just seemed like you were on the on the treadmill. Um, what I found worked really well in those particular circumstances was coming alongside a, a good um, and valued friend uh, and just sharing. Um, but keep in mind, friends aren't all re- always readily accessible. So there are Lifeline, uh, Beyond Blue, all these uh, telephone services that we can ring uh, to connect with somebody when we're not feeling a hundred percent. It's very important that we don't just bottle these things up, that we actually reach out, that we connect with somebody, that we just bounce our thoughts, our feelings off somebody, because that's what happens in the shed. You go to the shed you complain, you whinge, you moan, um, you tell the other guys what's on your mind. And just the fact that you've got it off your chest is a sense of relief. So it's very important to do exactly like you do in the shed, but you might have to do it in a different manner. You might be uh, have to do it over the phone. You might um, write somebody a letter. You might talk to somebody within your household, but it's important that you get the information out and have a good, long, serious chat with somebody in those low moments. And I know it's a recurring
1: theme here on the shed wireless, but I say it to people again, if you're stuck at your kitchen table, if you've only got your iPad or your computer, Mm. then just Google up, Uh, AMSA, the Men's Shed Association, and then you can follow your nose on the website to the Men's Shed online. And yeah, you're not shoulder to shoulder, but you are virtually shoulder to shoulder. There's going to be a ton of blokes on there. Some you know, some you don't, but they're kindred spirits and they might just get you off the canvas and up and rolling again. So we really do encourage everybody to use
2: that resource. Stuart, I know you've got a final challenge for us before we say goodbye. What is it? Connect. Reconnect with somebody, call someone you haven't called for a long time, check in on them, see how they are, Um, reminisce, do a a little 15-minute catch-up and uh, reconnect with that uh, important person. You never know what might come of it. You might even invite them down the shed and uh, that friendship can continue on and blossom. That is a brilliant suggestion. And if you do it, we'd
1: love you to come to the Men's Shed online and tell us the story, and we might get a bit of a conversation going there as well. Have you caught any decent fish, Stuart?
2: Oh, we went out last night. All I got was the yakkers. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm calling it a successful night. Anything over seven fish, and we had seven bait fish in the bait tank. <laughs> <laughs> But nothing came, nothing came sniffing them, so they got released at the end of the night. It's still good to catch up with friends.
1: Absolutely. Staying strong, staying sharp, staying healthy, even if not staying well-fed
2: with fish. <laughs>
1: uh, Stuart Torrance, the Men's Health Project Officer at the Australian Men's Shed Association, thanks for being with us on The Shed Wireless today.
2: Aaron, thanks very much for the opportunity, mate. You take care. You too. Nailed it. <laughs>
5: Nailed
1: it. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it with Rip Wood chip.
6: G'day Aaron and g'day Shedders. Rip Woodchip here. I'm just hanging up in my own back shed at the moment trying to avoid the misses and another ugly disease that seems to be going around at the moment called underfoot syndrome you might have heard of. There is a word we can't seem to get enough of at the moment, unbloody precedented. Yes, things are a little different at the moment, and lots of us are struggling with the fact we can't go down the shed to see our mates, but that doesn't necessarily mean we can't keep in touch. There's a little word that us old blokes need to get a grasp of, fellas, called technology. Now, I'm a little bit of a self-confessed technophobe not that long ago. I reckon that technology was a bit of something I could probably live without. But, not being the type of fella to shy away from an opportunity to expand one's horizons, I decided to give it a crack. I mean, it wasn't completely illiterate. I had one of them smartphones and the kids had showed me a thing or two, but I'd only really dipped my toes in the water. And even though at first it was all a little bit overwhelming, in true Ripwood chip fashion, I persisted. And now I'm getting the hang of it. I mean, the first time I used a hammer, I ended up with a couple of black thumbs. How about can a bloody keyboard hurt me? Like anything, fellas, it's just patience and some old-fashioned persistence. And the sheds are all about learning new things anyway, aren't they? So anyway, within a relatively short amount of time, I reckon I'm doing all right and reaping a few of the benefits. I mean, I'm no tech guru, but I could probably show you a thing or two. It all definitely makes the world a smaller place too. I probably see more of the grandkids and the kids than I ever used to. I'm going to share my intelligible wit and humour with a much larger audience through that magic of email and that necessary of evils that they call social media. It ain't all that bad. And with the state of affairs the way they are lately, if us blokes don't get on the technology train, we're going to be left hanging at isolation station before we know it. So anyways, I get this email recently from AMSA, Australian Men's Shed Association, about this shit online. Now, I know we can't go down there and spark up the tools and stuff, we can still share a cuppa and a laugh and talk a bit of bullshit, basically everything we used to do down the shed anyway, I reckon. So I encourage you, blakes, to give it a whirl, like old Uncle Rippy. It's pretty easy. Don't get overwhelmed by it all. Just go through the steps. Here, I'll take you through them. Now, you get on the website, just the AMSA website, mensheds.org. Now, on the right-hand side, there's a little picture that remarkably says men's shed online click on that it'll take you straight to the website now when you're on the website there's another picture i think the governor general's there and a play button press the play button and the beautiful young lady will take you through the rest pretty easy next thing you know you'll be on the line with the rest of the blokes having a bit of a chat and a laugh there's even blokes chiming in from overseas and everything we're gonna get the hang of this fellas we're all in this together but remember, like Thumper said, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Good on you, fellas. Catch up with your network next week. Good on you, Aaron. Catch ya mate.
0: Now on The Shed Wireless, let's see who's working in the shed.
1: I know if you turn up to a shed on a regular basis, you might think it all just happens by magic. But right across Australia, there are people working really hard behind the scenes to make sure that every Shedder has the best experience. And we want to meet, understand and honour those people here on the Shed Wireless. And first up, we're going to head to AMSA headquarters. And this is a woman who, unless you've been to the national conference, you might have not had FaceTime with, but she's certainly somebody who you would be well aware of her work. She is the communications and relationships manager for answer. Her name is Emma Bridenhahn, and she joins me while her little boy's asleep or flick past somewhere <laughs> or generally out of play <laughs> for the afternoon. Hello, Em.
5: Hello. Nice to be chatting with you, Aaron.
1: Really nice to have you with us on the Shed Wireless. Let's start at the beginning. How did a worldly young woman like yourself wind up a part of the Men's Shed Association?
5: Well, I guess it was by accident you would you would say not entirely accident because I did apply for the position. Uh but it it sort of just came across my desk at a, a opportune time for want of a better description and while it was something that I probably didn't have very much of an idea of what I was getting myself into um I thought I'd give it a crack and one as I normally would, it was a very last minute decision um, at the 11th hour and and sort of put in the the application and ended up here today.
1: How much did you know about the shed movement before you were a part of it?
5: Well, I knew what a men's shed was. Uh, that was about it. <laughs> I, I had worked in a role... Um, doing some youth mentoring uh, that used volunteers and, and a couple of the volunteers I had were from a men's shed. So I knew a little bit of from what they'd told me um, their background was and, and sort of where they'd evolved from the shed and then to participate in this mentoring program. Um, but that was about it and I think I fluffed about in on the website for for a little while. Um, before the the actual time to start the job when it was a very quick learning process from there.
1: And as you go to work each day and try and think of what the Men's Shed Association and the movement more broadly is trying to communicate to the world, what are the key messages that you keep front of mind?
5: Um, I think that the most important part um, of the shed um, and then obviously the most important part for us as the national organisation is the social connectedness element of sheds. When we talk publicly about sheds, it's really reminding the, the broader public that don't necessarily always know what a shed is about the fact that it's really important for people of all ages, but particularly going into the older <laughs> ages to remain socially connected. Um, and that that's not to be a forgotten element of good health and well-being. Um, so that's the public facing one but for, for sheds it's it's really all about from an AMSA perspective we're here to help um, in any way that we can for, for the shed operationally um, but also for individual shedders um, and and that we're here for really what it's all about is is positive mental health and well-being.
1: What does eight hours in the life of Emma look like?
5: Oh, what day are we talking about? Every day is different.
1: (laughs) Especially at the moment. moment.
5: (laughs) At the moment, it means um, juggling between answer and and mum life and um, all of that in between. Um, But I guess a typical day, while while fairly different, is, is looking at, Ways that I can work with either corporate partners or community partners um, to translate what they do and and any financial or um, in-kind support that they want to offer, how we can make that um, really practically positive for a shed. Um, so looking at that, I guess from all the way down from that corporate level to what we can actually do to help shedders and, and help make partners achieve or help them achieve what they want to achieve by supporting sheds. Um, other things would include putting together newsletters, our social media, uh, anything that you see that, or most things that you see that are, are from AMPSA, are have usually had my hands on them at some point. Good or bad?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, funny you should say good or bad because I want to do both sides of the coin. We'll start with the negative and finish with the positive. What do you find really challenging? What's a hard aspect of your work?
5: I guess one of the biggest challenges, uh, it's probably not just unique to me when it comes to to ants, but a big communication challenge for for answer and and I guess it's probably for sheds too is that we are a small organization and and by nature have to be based somewhere
2: um
5: and we're communicating out to sheds all over Australia and and sometimes all over the world um and that that obviously um is is limited to digitally um, mm. because we can't be everywhere um, and and so being able to connect particularly with a, a group of Australians who aren't necessarily the most native when it comes to digital is, is definitely a challenge.
1: Hey, we're amongst, we're amongst amongst friends here. We're talking to shedders. The thing about it is that uh, they know that they don't, well, I mean, who can keep up with the tech stuff to be honest, but yeah, if you're working remotely, often that is managed with technology and you have that additional layer of uh, challenge that you're not necessarily working with digital natives. So um. How do you go about that? I guess any face-to-face time then proves really valuable things like the conference is it?
5: Absolutely face to face and and we all at it, but I think regardless of of age and preference, face to- face is the best form of communication there's no denying that and we things like the conference are, are absolute. Primo, cream of the crop sort of stuff when it comes to being able to to get in the same room and have a chat, and not always a formal chat. I mean, the best ones you'd know are, are the ones that mm. you have at the at the kitchen table, at the shed mm. over a coffee. Like it's it's um that is is the best, um, but we don't we can't rely on that because it's it's not practical.
1: So let's flip it over to the positive then. What is it that makes you jump out of bed and maintain your energy and generally I guess believe in the work that you do? Coffee. <laughs> God bless coffee. So I, I saw the other day that the, the new normal is there's no there's no AM and PM, there's just coffee time and alcohol time. <laughs> Pretty relatable. And
5: and, and there's Day pajamas and night pajamas. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're not savages. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so what is it? Why do you love it? And I assume you do love it.
5: Yeah. Look, it's it's. Um, I guess there's a couple of things that I jump out of bed for in the morning, if you can say jump. Um, but, roll. Uh, well, roll particularly at the moment. Um,
1: Oh, you'd better explain what that's I'm a better, reference yeah.
5: to. <laughs> roll being being thirty weeks pregnant, that's definitely a roll out of bed rather than yeah. a um, jump.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
5: Um, the I, I've always been, I guess, uh, attracted to pursuing whether it's volunteer roles or work or whatever I'm doing in in community pursuits, um, I really think that that's an important part of our life is um, not necessarily serving others but but making the world a better place um, yeah. and I think for me that that is something that I guess underlies whilst it's I guess many would argue a a a fairly um, technical or professional role I'm not necessarily hands-on making the world a better place every day um, but we all we can all use our, our, our specific I guess talents and, and knowledge and experience in a way that positively influences the world and and I guess that's my underlying drive in in doing what I do is that um, at answer and through Shed's Um, we get to positively influence the community and make a real difference to to people's lives.
1: You absolutely do. And you are a critical interface between uh, the movement, uh, particularly the National Association and uh, all of the people who are out there on the ground right across Australia we may actually not be getting too much from you in the near future because no doubt you'll be off doing the mum thing for a while again but you'll be uh, sorely missed and welcomed back and thank you for being with us today to i guess put a face to the email and the communications and occasionally the phone call that so many people would be familiar with
5: my pleasure
1: that is emma Bridenham, who is the communications and relationship manager And that's who's working in The Shed right now. You've been listening to The Shed Wireless, and this is the very first episode. It's an initiative from the Australian Men's Shed Association. And David, I know that you're really appreciative. They've all been working in isolation. They've all been facing all the same challenges that everyone else is, including nursing kids and looking after teenagers and whatever else but I know that you're really appreciative to all of the AMSA staff who've been working behind the scenes to make this possible.
0: Oh Aaron it's a big thanks to all the team like what they've done over the past few weeks in getting a lot of these initiatives up and running uh, really got to take our hat off to them because they've really done a great job. The entire lot of them,
1: and as we heard from Emma earlier, it's uh, it's a little bit more than a job. It's a bit of a calling. Uh, working a for AMSA, it is a passion, and sometimes it requires every ounce of that passion. Yeah, it does. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> a special thanks to Emma and Marty Least, uh, because they've done a lot of uh, the heavy lifting with all of this as well. Thank you to Sal and the podcast production team because it's. Uh, challenging to get technically something like this off the ground in isolation as well thank you to all of our guests for being so generous with their time and thank you to you david not only for having the vision of the men's online but also for having the vision to do the podcast and then to be so heavily involved in pulling it all together it's certainly you are not a a seventh floor penthouse kind of uh, executive officer i must say (laughs)
0: definitely not and look a big big thanks to you aaron i know you put a lot of time and effort into this and hopefully we can Everyone will tune back in next week and listen to the rest of the story and we look forward to continuing
1: it into the future. And spread the word. Tip someone else into this. Uh, It might just be some time well spent for them when it is a challenging time. So thank you all for listening and supporting this project. I'm Aaron Carney. Thanks for tuning into The Shed Wireless. We'll talk to you soon.